0: All right, uh, we are starting in on a new series today. Um, off and on, we do a book study. We uh, finished up in the spring a book uh, study through the book of Ephesians. Uh, it only took about three years. And, uh, <laughs> and the reason it took a long time is because we uh, paused from a book series, and we'll do topical series in between. And we'll do the same with uh, this book. This book's a bit longer, so I'm not sure how uh, long it'll take to get through. But we're going to at least do one verse today, so... <clears throat> So, uh, God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to us as we start in on this new book. We pray that your Spirit would speak to our hearts, that you would lead us where you want to uh, lead us, and God, that you do in our lives um, as you see best. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, this book is an interesting book. I'd encourage you, if you have not read through it, uh, it's in the New Testament, to read through it over maybe the next couple weeks. It's uh, 16 short chapters, and it's one of the books of the Bible that just has a lot of action. Maybe not as much as the Gospel of Mark. That's the most action-packed book, but this book has a lot of action in it. This was a, a real messy church. I mean, if you think this church is messy <laughs> uh, and, and filled with messy people uh, like me, I mean, this church was super messy. I mean, this church was had divisions and jealousy and conflict. Uh, there was someone in the, the church who was having an affair with their stepmom. Uh, they were suing each other in court. Uh, they were trying to you know, walk around in pride about uh, you know how, how amazing they were compared to, to everyone else. Um, this was the, the, the people who weren't walking in, in love. Uh, these are people who, at their potluck Sundays, uh, that some people would budge line, eat all the food, making sure they eat it, ate it all before other people could get to it. Uh, some people at their potlucks would get drunk. And uh, all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, There were uh, people in in this book in the church who were going to the local temple to sleep with prostitutes and yet claiming they were Christians. And uh, I mean, all kinds of mess. Some people were denying the resurrection in this church. It was a messy, messy church. Which I find interesting because sometimes I hear this from people. They'll say, man, if we could just get back to the early church. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you know, the modern church is so messy and there's problems with it. If we could just get back to the early church. And I'm like, really? <laughs> there's just messy churches in history. There's messy churches today because we're filled. Uh, we're uh, all the people here aren't perfect. And uh, as soon as you walk in the door, you make it a little bit more messy. As soon as I walk in the door, you make it a little bit more messy. And there are better churches than others, of course. Uh, But we can learn a lot from this church, because this church was living in a culture very much like ours. They were living in a culture where there were not a lot of Christians. That's like our culture. They're living in a culture where there was all kinds of crazy stuff going on sexually. Uh, They were living in a culture that uh, uh, just uh, was kind of selfish and kind of rampant disrespect, very much like our culture today. And so we can learn a lot uh, as we travel through this, this book. But today I want to start with just the first verse and I want to start with the first word and the first word is Paul because that's the guy who wrote this book. Uh, Paul wrote uh, just over half the books of the New Testament so he's an important guy to understand. There's 27 books in the New Testament. He wrote 14 Uh, and so this is one of them. This was a letter he wrote to the church of Corinth and his letter was trying to help them up as, as he's loving them. And so this is written by Paul. Now, who is Paul? It's important to understand who he is. Paul was, at one time, uh, what you call a Pharisee. He didn't grow up a follower of Jesus. In fact, uh, for some of his life, he was fighting against the church, fighting against those who who followed Jesus. Now, Pharisees, often we know from the gospel, are kind of those those guys who are against Jesus. Uh, Jesus had the majority of his problems with these people who were called the Pharisees. And Paul was one of them. Now there are some good Pharisees. Like Nicodemus. Like Joseph of Arimathea. There are some good Pharisees. Uh, but most of them were people who we would describe as religious in the negative sense. Jesus describing the Pharisees said this. That everything they do is done for people to see. He described them as people that on the outside uh, they appear to be people as uh, righteous people. But inside... They were full of hypocrisy and wickedness. These are people who got their life, if you will, from trying to look impressive. Uh, they got their life from following all the rules. They got their, their life from being better than other people. They got their life from people looking at them going, wow, you're really spiritual. That's where they got their life from. They weren't getting their life from God, who's the true source. They were getting it from, from their uh, the way people viewed them and, and the following the, uh, of the rules. As it says in John 5, Talking about the Pharisees. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. You see, this book is good. It's filled with with the words of God, but they're not an end in themselves. If you stop at these words and you think these words somehow are going to give you eternal life and you try to get your life from these words, you've missed the point. Because this book points to Jesus. It points to God. And when people get religious in the wrong sense, they stop here instead of going to God. Uh, Tim Keller put it in a beautiful way. He put it this way. Idolatry functions widely inside religious communities when doctrinal truth is elevated to the position of a false god. This occurs when people rely on the righteousness of their doctrine for their standing with God, rather than on God himself and his grace. It is a subtle but deadly mistake. The sign that you have slipped from this form of self into this form of self-justification is that you become what the Book of Proverbs calls a scoffer. Scoffers always show contempt and disdain for opponents rather than graciousness. This is a sign that they do not see themselves as sinners saved by grace. Instead, they trust in their righteousness. Uh, they trust in the righteousness of their views. Man, nah, I read that wrong. <laughs> Instead. <laughs> Now, what's new, right? <laughs> Instead, their trust in the righteousness of their views makes them feel superior. And so uh, they just always see themselves as better. Uh, they, 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 they feel they're doing good with God when they're doing better than other people, or they feel they're doing better. So they're always getting their, their life from their rules and their life from how others see them. And that's not the place we are to be getting our life from. We are to get our life from, from Jesus. Uh, He is the true source of life. In John chapter 1, it says, in him, that is Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. John 10 says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus has the ability to give us life and life to the full. He is the true source that our hearts and our souls were wired for. And every single person in this room looks to something for life. And there are sometimes, even as followers of Jesus, we slip from getting life from Jesus, but we can find try to get life from money. Uh, we can get, try to get life from just hoping that one day, you know, I'm going to get this dream of mine, that, that you try to get life from a dream. Uh, you can get life from, uh, you know, just trying to do better than everybody else. You may get life from popularity, or you're making sure you dress better than everybody else. I mean, there are a million sources of life, but all those will eventually fail. There's only one source of life that will be true and, and, and it can fill you to the, the full and even everything else around you that's falling apart and can still keep you alive and that is that is Jesus. And so it's just a question we need to constantly be asking ourselves, where am I getting my life from? Especially in those moments when you're really down and you're discouraged and, and you think like everything is falling apart, where am I getting my life from? Uh, Jesus is the source, he said, Come to me, you'll never thirst again. Uh, He is the one who gives us streams of of living water. I mean, he's not just satisfied as a little trickle. He wants to give you streams uh, of living water. And so the the problem with the Pharisees was they were not looking to God for life. They were looking to their rules. They were looking to being better than other people. Again, they were looking to have everybody go, ooh, ah, you're so spiritual, you're so amazing. That's what they got their life from. And when Jesus came on the scene and began to nudge them and push them away from their religious rules, uh, they got mad. And this is one of the the signs that you found your life in something else, is that when someone begins to to push the thing that you get life from, you just get ticked off. (laughs) right? It's a sign that it's an an idol. But Paul was changed by Jesus. Uh, This was his his, his state as a Pharisee. Again, look where he gets his life from. This, This is what he was boasting in at one time in his life. He says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. But he was still empty. I mean, that's what happens when we look to these other things to get life from. We'll look to them, but we're still like, there's still something missing in my life. It's amazing when people accomplish the biggest goals. They become a famous rock star or a musician, and yet they, they still feel so empty because there's only one source of life that we were truly uh, built to, to, to take in, and that is the life of God himself. Uh, he was so zealous that Saul, that was his name before he changed to Paul, was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. I mean, he hated followers of Jesus. He hated Christians. Uh, he stood there with a smile on his face as Stephen was stoned to death in Acts chapter 7. All right, uh, Acts chapter 7. And so this was Paul. But then one day, he's on to uh, the road to Damascus and he has this encounter with Jesus, and everything changes, and many of you in this room know what this is like. I mean, you're walking down life, and maybe, maybe you're struggling, things aren't going so well, and you encounter Jesus, and all of a sudden, everything changes. This guy goes from trying to destroy the church to a place where he's absolutely in love with the church, a place where he's fighting against Christians to a place where he actually is one, and, and he's planting churches. Uh, He says this after his conversion. I once thought these things were valuable. That is, this rule-keeping Pharisee. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it. All as garbage. And that that Greek word is about as close as you can get to like a swear word. He just counts it all as crap, you know. Uh, (laughs) Everything he was getting life from, uh, he he was like, it just doesn't compare. I I just get my life from Jesus. Uh, So that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count uh, count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. And this is what Jesus does. Uh, he cleanses us. He, he washes away our sin. He makes us righteous in God's eyes, not because we're so great, but because Jesus is so great. Amen. And the good news is that you can have this beautiful relationship with God uh, just as you are right now. Uh, God loves you just as you are. Now, He loves you so much, He's not going to leave you where you are. He's going to grow you and change you. But, man, He loves you. And He, he wants to move into your life. And, and this is, of course, the invitation. Isaiah 55. Where he says, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good. And you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me, listen, that you may live. And so just good to do a check-in this morning. Where are you getting life from in this last week? Uh, Where's your source of life? And I hope you are drinking deep of the richness and the vast love and power and goodness uh, of Jesus. These are source of life. And so Paul's life was completely, completely changed. And he goes from the persecutor to the one who becomes persecuted. And it says here that Paul, he says called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Paul knew what he was called to do in life. He says, I am called to be an apostle. And the question we're going to look at with the rest of our time is, do you know what you're called to be? If I were to ask you, what is your calling in your life? What is your destiny? What are you living into? Would you be able to answer that question? Because you should. Paul can answer it. I'm called to be an apostle. Now, apostle was The word actually just means uh, one to be sent out, and they were the the guys who went out, they planted churches, they oversaw churches. In many ways, an apostle is kind of like a spiritual father or a spiritual mother. Uh, There are people who kind of see the bigger picture. Now there are some who say that there's no such thing as modern day apostles, and there's a part truth that there's no such thing as like the original apostles who saw Jesus and wrote scripture, but there are absolutely modern day apostles today. I mean, Acts 14 talks about Barnabas, who was not amongst the twelve. Nor, nor is was Paul. He was an apostle. First Corinthians 12 talks about apostleship as being a spiritual gift. And uh, and for sure, there are uh, modern day apostles who have insight, who are spiritual uh, fathers, who who are good at mentoring other people and building up churches. Uh, Paul was one of these guys, and he knew he was called to be an apostle. And again, do you know your calling? Now, you might be tempted to say, well, I don't think I have one. I'm just called to be an average Joe or an average Mary. But even if you think yourself as an average Joe or an average Mary, you should just erase that. Because in the kingdom, there's no such thing as that. Everybody has been gifted for a specific calling. Uh, This is what the Bible says. We are God's masterpiece. Do you know that? Uh, The word actually means uh, work of art or poem that you are actually God's masterpiece, you are his work of art, uh, you are God's poem. Uh, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. That when God created you, he created you special. And I know we always think we're always you know, special or maybe you think you're not special but you are special in a good way. Uh, he has created you to do good works that he planned long ago. And so when God was creating you, and this is what it says in, in Psalm 139. He says uh, that uh, God formed my innermost parts, that he knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That even as God was putting together uh, you in your, in your mother's womb, he is like, I have good works for this little baby to do. You are my masterpiece. You are my poem. You are beautiful in every way. And I have some amazing things for you to do. You have a destiny. You have a calling. And because all of us here are human, you have a calling on your life. There are good things that God wants you to do that he planned for you to do and has wired you to do them. And that is your calling. That is your destiny. Uh, Do you know what that is? And are you living into that? Because there is one thing that will pump you up for life more than anything else, and that is when you know that you're living out your calling. In Luke chapter seven, again talking about the Pharisees, uh, this is what the Bible says about the Pharisees: the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves. They they missed the calling of God in their life. They missed their destiny. I mean, God wired these people together in their mother's womb and he created them to do good works, to love God and to love people and they totally missed it. And the reality is like the Pharisees, we can miss our calling as well. We can choose not to follow the purpose that God has placed in our heart and we can go entirely the other direction as the Pharisees did. But if you want to live life to the full, you need to be getting your life from Jesus and living into the calling God has placed on your life. So the question is, do you know what that is? Uh, Do you know what your calling is in life? And here's some questions that can help with that because sometimes you might, I I actually don't really know. Uh, One of the big questions is this. What do you enjoy doing and what has your heart? Uh, God works through the desires of your heart. For Paul, I mean, he said things like this. I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach. I mean, is there something in your life like, I am just compelled held to do this. And when you don't do it, you just you just feel miserable. You feel like you're missing out on life. There's something that just has your heart. Preaching had Paul's heart. And he also had a heart for the church in First Thess- Thessalonians. He says, Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives with well." Paul had this passion for, not just for one church, but for multiple churches. And this is why he was an apostle. He loved churches. He loved to preach. This was his passion. He loved to do this. What about you? What do you love to do? What has your heart? Now, there's a side note to this because if there is something that you love to do and that has your heart and it doesn't really involve people, that's not your calling. That's called a hobby. because this is the reality your calling will always 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 involve loving blessing and serving other people i mean there's lots of stuff i really love doing but doesn't really involve people that's called my hobbies uh I mean, I love snowmobiling, I do that with people, but, you know, I like motorbiking, and I like tinkering in my garage, I like those kind of things, but those are more hobbies, it's not like making a huge kingdom impact, I mean, sometimes it can have some, but those are called hobbies, but every calling will involve loving, blessing, and serving people, I mean, this is one of our commandments as Christians, that we love our neighbor as ourself, and we just love, love people, we have grace on people, we forgive people radically, Uh, We try to just bless them in every way. And your calling will always involve doing that. This is what it says in 1 Peter. Each of you should use whatever gift or whatever calling is on your life, whatever gift you have received, to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And so whatever calling God has for you, it will involve people. Uh, If it doesn't involve people then that's just a hobby or that's something else. It's not a calling. A calling is something that you're passionate about that involves blessing, serving, helping other people. Uh, Another question you can ask is, what are you good at? 1 Corinthians 12 says, Now to each one, just every one of you, to each one of you, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Sometimes known as a spiritual gift. There's something in you that when you do, it manifests God. There's something that you do that resembles God. And and, and it always is something that bears fruit. I mean, wherever the Spirit makes himself known, there is fruit. And so whatever that thing you do, it'll manifest God and somehow bear fruit. And you will tend to be good at it. It may not be amazing. I mean, I'm not not by far not the most amazing preacher in the world, but I I think I'm good at it. Uh, But it doesn't mean you're most amazing, right? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and so maybe you're not the most amazing, but you're going to be good at something. What are you good at? Uh, what is it that people come up to and say, hey, can you help me with that? Or you're really good at that, can I get some advice? I mean, what is it that you are good at? Now you might be, oh, I'm not really good at anything. And again, that, that is wrong thinking. Again, we take every captive and make it obedient to Christ. So any thought in your mind that says I'm not special is wrong. Any thought in your mind that says I'm not good at anything is wrong. Any thought in your mind that says I don't have a calling is wrong. Amen. Any thought in your mind that says I'm not God's masterpiece is wrong. Amen. Because God says you have a gift, you have a calling, and you are my masterpiece, and I have created you just the way I want you because I have a destiny for you. The, 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 the thing that keeps us from engaging often in this is comparison. We often compare. You know, if I were just like that person, I could do something. Man, if I were just more like her, man, I could, I could, then I could have a calling, then I could have a destiny, but I'm just little me, I, I can't do it. Comparison can be a dangerous thing. That's right. Now, it can be a good thing if it motivates you to do better, but if any comparison that keeps you from engaging more in the kingdom is bad comparison. And most of the time we compare and it has a negative effect rather than a positive effect. But the Bible says that you're not to compare. Because you have a special role and you will look different. In the kingdom, different is good. It's a good thing. You might be saying, well, I'm different. I can't do things like those other people. Perfect. Exactly. That's the point. Because there's something you're supposed to do that no one else can do. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians 12. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, that includes you, so you all have a little part, Every one of them just as he wanted them to be. And if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. And so we all have a different role, we all different gifts, we're all shaped differently. I mean, imagine if the nose was saying, Well, you know, I'm not like the hands, you know, might as well just give up and not engage in anything. I mean, that would, that would really be lame. Uh, every part of your body is important. And every one of you has a calling, every one of you has a destiny, every one of you has a purpose that God has put in you and he has shaped you this way at, at, to, to carry out your calling. So what are you good at? Now, if you're really good at something, but it doesn't have your heart, that's not a calling. It's called a job, right? And so it's important to, to differentiate these three. This, this really helps, I think, for me it does, to figure out your calling, because there's three kind of things we're engaged in often in life. There's your hobby, your job, and then there's your calling. Again, a hobby is something that you enjoy, but does not really help and serve people. A job is something that you tend to be good at, but doesn't really have your heart. You just go to work, you're not really engaged, you kind of check in, check out. I mean, the Bible says you're to work as if you're working for Jesus. So even if you don't like your job, you should still work as hard as you can and honor uh, your employer. Uh, But if it doesn't have your heart, that's not your calling. A calling is something that you are good at and has your heart. Now for a lot of people, uh, uh, the only way they can carry out their calling is to have a job. There are some people who are privileged to be paid for their calling. And if you're young, uh, this is one of the things you should think about, is what are you passionate? What are you gifted in? And and the best way to, to set your life forward if you're young is to get paid for your calling. If you're passionate about helping sick people and you just tend to be good at school, maybe maybe being a doctor. You can go live to be a doctor and serve and help and bless people who are sick and you can get paid for your calling. Uh, people who go into full time ministry often are people who are called and paid for their calling. Uh, I mean, maybe your calling is to have a business that serves people better than any other business and, and you can get paid because you own a business and you can live out your calling in terms of serving people just through your business. There are ways you can have your calling and you can get paid for it. But for most people, your job will supply your ability to carry out your calling. I mean, a lot of people uh, have to work, 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 and they get money so they can live out their calling. And this may be you. There may be something that you're passionate about. And there are people in this church who serve in this church like crazy. And they serve in this community like crazy. Because they're, they're carrying out their calling, but they go to work throughout the week. And maybe they like their job, but they wouldn't say, this is my calling. But they work to make money uh, so that they, they can live out their calling. And so as you're thinking through this, think through hobby, job, and, and calling. What are you good at? Where are you gifted? And what really has, has your heart? Now, here's some other questions you can ask. One way to break this down is to ask this question. And by the way, these are in your bulletin, so you can take, take this home and work on it. Uh, what is your calling in this season? It's hard to answer the question, what is my calling for my life? I mean, that's, a hard, that's, that's hard to answer. And I don't even know if I can fully answer that. But if someone said, Jesse, what's your calling in this season? I, I can answer that. And so, to think this way. What is your calling in this season of life? It may maybe, you know, I'm just called right now to just really build into, I'm a mom, and I'm to really build into my kids, and, you know, maybe I'm a little passionate about this at church, and I, that's, that's my calling at this time. Maybe that's your calling. Uh, maybe your calling is to, I mean, God is birthing something in your heart, and you realize that right now my calling in life is to use my job, to fund my calling, and maybe that will work into something bigger. Uh, but what is your calling in the season? In the season of life, where is God calling you? How is God calling you to love, serve, and bless other people in an area that you're good at? Another question you can ask is, "What does the community of people around you say?" Because sadly, sometimes we think we're good at something and we're not, because we have a way of our pride getting in there, right? You know, I'm so great at this. I mean, I can tell everybody I'm the most wonderful singer ever, but if you heard me, you would all say, "No, you're not." (laughs) All right. So there's the, the community is involved. Uh, what does the community say around you? Again, uh, where do they ask you for help? Where in your life do they ask you for advice? Uh, what, when you talk to someone, just kind of gets you passionate? And they're passionate. About, I mean, what does the community of God say? And sometimes it's a good thing to ask your friends, "Hey, uh, where do you see my gifts? Uh, where do you see uh, maybe uh, where do you see my calling?" Uh, you can you can ask the community. Another really really good question. I really like this one is what ticks you off. What, as you look at this world, just makes you just like, oh, why is it happening in this world? That will often point you to your calling. Because where you're passionate about, when you see injustice in that area, it'll tick you off. And that's called righteous anger, and that's a good thing. Anger going to, bad anger is a bad thing, but anger that pushes you to do something to change this world is a good thing. What ticks you off? Uh, maybe it's it's poverty. Uh, in Africa. I mean, that's on Marie's heart, the, the group of ladies that she supports. That is something that she sees that and goes, this has got to change. <laughs> uh, maybe for you, it's, it's children's ministry. And you are like, man, that's, that, that's, we can just do amazing things with this. And, and, and you're like, why is not more happening? And sometimes people come to me in the church and they get angry at things like, why isn't this happening in the church? And it's like, well, maybe because you're the eye in that area. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're the one God's putting the calling on to change. Because maybe no one else has that gift, and, and you do, because you're excited about it and no one else is. Um, and, and we do this thing, and I, we call it gift projection. What I'm passionate about, I always think everybody else should be passionate about it. Right? It's like, why isn't everybody so stoked about this? And it's like, well, because that's something God has called me to do, but maybe not every, They're all passionate about other things, Right? Uh, so careful about gift protection uh, projection. I think everybody else should be passionate about what you're passionate about. You all have different passions. And we just love on each other together as a community. So what ticks you off? The best way to answer this question, because we know that we serve a God who speaks. Our God is not silent and He speaks to us. It's just go home. Uh, you can work through these questions, or you can just open your journal, as we've taught before, get on your computer. And just say, oh God, what calling is on my life in this season? And then you just write what is what flows from your spirit. You start writing down what starts flowing from your spirit. And often you're going to find that that's God's voice. And you can just pray into that. Begin praying into that. And, and all of you should be engaged in your calling. Again, some of you might be able to engage uh, with more of your hours because you get paid for your calling. But some of you need to start small. Because you don't have a lot of time, but you're going to say, I'm just going to start pushing my way into this calling. And guess what the Bible says? When you're faithful with that little, he's going to add to it. Right. I mean, sometimes people are like, man, I just want to get into ministry. I, I, I want to I wanna do something big for this world. And I say, well, what are you doing now? Well, nothing. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, then you are going to stay doing nothing. God is always what are you doing with what you have now? That's where we start. What are you doing with what you have now? Because when you start doing something with what you have now, God adds to it. In fact, I just heard a story, a guy up in Alaska, who had this passion, uh, to in this town where there was no church, he had this passion to build a church with a, a gym to help uh, the natives, because there were a lot of natives in there who were from broken homes and stuff. And he had this passion. He had no money. Uh, he went to the hardware store one day, and, and they were like, uh, giving away this, this stack of plywood because some of it was wrecked. And they said, well, you could have it. So he brought the stack of plywood to this property he owned and put it there. And he's like, one day I'm building this center to help people. One day I'm going to build... He had no money. And he kept praying into it, but he was faithful to what he had. He would add a few supplies here and there. And then one day, a Samaritan's Purse came into town and said, hey, what are you doing on this property? He says, well, oh, I'm building this center to help uh, native kids. And, and I just want to change their lives. And, and they said, Well, we'll build it for you. Amen. And they built it for him. Wow. But it started with a sack of plywood. I mean, sometimes you just got to start with what you have, and God will begin to add to it. So, where is your calling? Are you living into that calling? How are you changing people's lives around you? Because if you're just living for your job, and you're just living for your own family, you're, you're missing something. There's something bigger God wants you to be doing. And the reality is, um, you will feel most alive when you are engaged in your calling. You'll feel most alive when you are engaged in your calling. I mean, look what Paul says here. I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. I mean, he was just alive to the point. He says, I don't care if I'm killed for this. I feel so alive doing this. Do you have that somewhere in your heart? Do you know what your calling is? And again, one more tip before we go, because I missed it. If you still don't know what your calling is, just try something. Just try something and see where God leads. This is what happened to Paul. I mean, this amazing guy, he didn't quite know where his calling was at first. When he became a Christian, he was like, I'm going to preach to my fellow Jews. And he goes to preach to his fellow Jews and it just goes horribly, and he realizes that wasn't his, God's calling. And then he says, from now on, I can go preach to the Gentiles. Sometimes you find your calling by doing stuff, and that was for me. Uh, when I first became a Christian, I just wanted to serve the church. I didn't know where God's calling was, and so I started like in the nursery. I served in the nursery, I served in Sunday school, I just served wherever I could. And, and then I was like, maybe I want to be a youth pastor. I tried to serve as a youth pastor, and then I realized... You yeah, I'm not the greatest at this. And you know, God kind of moves you as you do stuff. And so you, you, you just have no idea. Maybe just look around and say, where's a hole that needs to be filled? Because it could be there's a hole there because that hole is for you. And maybe you just start out and go, wow, this is for me. You may start out and go, well, this is not quite me. And maybe just do a little shift. And you just keep praying, God, what is the calling on my life? And so I just urge you, because we love our hobbies, we need to work. We need money. But there's a third really important key in your life, and that is your calling. Are you living in to the calling God has placed on your life? And if not, just start small, take some steps, and you can just be blown away with what God can do. When you're faithful with little, man, he can have a way of pressing down and just adding more and blowing you away. Amen? Amen. 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 So God, we we just ask, God, that you would be speaking to each and every one of us. God, we thank you that we are your masterpieces, that we are your home, that you've created us each in a beautiful, beautiful way. And God, I thank you that you've given us gifts, uh, gifts that are different from each other, that you've wired us in, in ways, God, that we can bless and love people and make this world a better place, that we can build your kingdom. So God, I pray as maybe many of us go home and work through these questions. God, as we just sit quietly in in presence and we just, we listen to your voice and ask God, what is my calling in this season? God, that you would push away any voices of the enemy, you'd push away any negative mindsets in our own minds. God, that you would just help us to hear your loving, gentle voice clearly in this area. And I, God, I pray you would build your kingdom here in this area in Jesus' name.